This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 59, Maritime Mysteries, Part 2, The Mary Celeste. On December 4th, 1872, Captain David Morehouse stood high assessing the waters from atop his ship. The De Gratia was a Canadian transport vessel, tasked with the delivery of cargo to the port city of Gibraltar. Over 200 miles from their origin point in Porto, Portugal, over half the journey remained ahead of them. The cold morning fog severely reduced visibility, but after nearly a week of tempestuous seas, Morehouse and the crew were thankful for a brief respite. The captain's moment of peace and the silence were suddenly broken by a call to alert by a crewman to his left. Captain! He turned and saw John Johnson standing at the steering. His eyes locked forward, an arm pointing rigidly toward something on the horizon ahead. Morehouse quickly identified the position of another ship. Nothing unexpected about the presence of another ship following the coastline but it only took a moment for him to understand why such alarm could be heard in the helmsman's voice. Something felt very wrong about this vessel. He pulled the long glass from a pouch on his side and took a closer look. The ship was a brigantine, just like his own. The first peculiarity that stood out to him was the lack of raised sails. They were barely at half-mass. Considering the calm winds that day, This was very odd. Equally odd was the pattern the ship appeared to be moving in. Rather than cutting a smooth line through the coastal waters, it bucked hard against the waves, rocking port and starboard. It was sailing in a circle. It was clear to the experienced captain that something strange was happening. He ordered the crew to fire a signal flare, but received no response and quickly sent his first mate, Oliver DeVoe, along with two other men to investigate. The men took a small boat across and climbed aboard. What they found would confuse and unnerve them, and it would spark the match that began one of the greatest maritime mysteries of the modern age. By all accounts, the Mary Celeste sat rocking in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, with not a single crewman or passenger accounted for. In the months and years that followed the vanishing of her crew in 1872, there was no shortage of theories offered about this disastrous disappearance. However, this was not the first disturbing incident in the vessel's history, but rather one more in a long line of foul luck affairs 
that led many to speculate about the possibility of a curse. Before she was renamed the Mary Celeste, she was originally christened the Amazon. The two-masted brigantine sailing ship was built by Canadian Joshua DeWiss in the autumn of 1860. This ship was built with one goal in mind, commerce. Global trade was exploding during this time, and it relied solely on ships to carry cargo across the Atlantic. With rumors of the American Civil War and the ship shortages that would inevitably follow, floating about, the chance to build the ship was a veritable gold mine. Because the money to build came from a collection of investors, Duis was under considerable pressure to turn a profit. The motivations of her builder were brazenly apparent in her design specs. Built from the finest available timber, she had a smooth hull and a single deck. The design was uncomplicated and graceful. When completed, she measured just under 100 feet long. While the exterior design was lauded by all who inspected her, the inside was designed specifically for profitability. Crew cabins were small and unpainted. The engineering was designed specifically for the ship to be manned by a minimal crew. And the cargo hold was the largest ever designed for a ship of her size. By mid-spring of 1861, the ship was completed and ready for her maiden voyage. In June, Duis secured their first contract hauling timber from Nova Scotia to London and set out to find the inaugural captain for the Amazon. Robert McClellan was a fresh young skipper with dreams of sailing around the world. He also happened to be one of the primary investors in the construction of the ship. He was quickly named captain and began preparing for the voyage. Just three days before they were scheduled to set sail, he contracted what appeared to be a minor respiratory infection. As many believed at the time that the fresh salt air would do him good, he insisted on keeping their schedule. Less than six hours after leaving the dock, he was overtaken by an extreme fever. On June 19th, before the ship was able to make it out of coastal waters, he died of complications associated with pneumonia. In need of a replacement captain in a hurry, Duis hired John Parker, and the Amazon truly set sail for the first time. After a quick stop to restock in Eastport, Maine, the ship collided with a row of fishing weirs. Damage to the hull was so extensive that they had to spend nine days in dry dock for repairs before finally making it to the open ocean. After a thankfully uneventful crossing, the Amazon reached its destination in London only one day late. A new load of cargo was taken on, and they set sail for delivery in Lisbon, Portugal. While passing through the Strait of Dover, the narrowest section of the English Channel, they collided with another ship. The much smaller ship was destroyed on impact, and the crew of the Amazon spent three days fishing crewmen out of the water and transporting them to nearby Dover, England. While still technically seaworthy, the Amazon spent two weeks in dry dock getting necessary repairs. Following this latest mishap, the fortunes of the bungling brigantine appeared to have made a turn for the better. For the next two years, Captain Parker remained at the helm as the ship took on lucrative contracts all over the West Indies. Profits were at an all-time high, and the investors were beyond pleased. Leaving on a high note, 
1863, Parker took a job as captain of a significantly larger ship. In his absence, another of the initial investors, William Thompson, took over. With Thompson at the helm, the Amazon quickly became one of the most prolific trade ships in the world. Frequenting high-traffic trade routes throughout the West Indies and the Mediterranean. Eager to keep building her reputation and profits, the consortium in charge of the ship kept her at sea with as few breaks as possible. This continued until a small decrease in profits in 1867 began. It created tension between Captain Thompson and the ship's benefactors. During this period, he was forced to take a contract sailing the eastern coast of Canada. Because of the risky winter nor'easters common in the region, this was an incredibly dangerous venture both bodily and monetarily. Most insurance companies refused to cover damages sustained during this time of year. Just three days into the trip, the Amazon was caught in a brutal storm off the coast of Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia. Propulsive winds and towering waves proved too much for the ship, and it crashed into the shore during the evening hours. Thankfully, no casualties were sustained among the crew, but damages to the ship were insurmountable, and they abandoned her on the beach. Because Duis and his team of investors couldn't afford to make the necessary repairs, they sold the Amazon in November of 1867. Over the next two years, it changed hands three times and underwent extensive restoration, but no real plan for her future seemed to manifest. In October of 1869, she was put up for auction under the new moniker, the Mary Celeste. The J.H. Winchester Company purchased her and put her to work once again in the busy trade routes of the West Indies. But in 1872, the age of the ship was becoming all too apparent, and Winchester spent over $10,000 on restorations, an amount equivalent to nearly $200,000 today. Cosmetic changes and a substantial expansion of the hull left the Mary Celeste looking like a brand new ship. Benjamin Spooner Briggs was hired as her new captain, and the expansion of the captain's quarters allowed him to bring his wife and young daughter on trips. On November 7, 1872, Captain Briggs, his wife Sarah, their two-year-old daughter Sophia, and seven crewmen set sail on the new Mary Celeste's first contract. They would be hauling 1,700 barrels of industrial alcohol from New York to Genoa, Italy. For many, this refurbishment felt like a new beginning, but the tragic past of the Mary Celeste would soon rear its ugly head once again. Based on what remains of the ship's logs, this journey across the Atlantic was not simple or easy. In fact, the ship just barely escaped New York Harbor. Within a day of their departure, the weather deteriorated to a point where the captain struggled just to see across the channel. They sought refuge in the harbors of Staten Island for three days, and once the weather had cleared, they resumed their journey. Skillfully navigating a narrow shortcut along the eastern side of the channel, Briggs made up the lost time in just 16 hours, and soon the Mary Celeste was sailing the open waters of the Atlantic. Unfortunately, the record-setting winter of 1872 seemed determined to test the skills and resolve of the hardened captain and his small crew. 
For nearly three weeks, they sailed through the heavy winds and rain of some of the most severe storms ever recorded. When the weather finally cleared on November 24th, the ship was due west from the Azores Islands. November 25th was without note regarding weather or sea conditions. And at this point, the log goes blank. On December 4th, less than a month after her departure from New York, Captain Morehouse and his crew spotted the Mary Celeste hauntingly adrift and seemingly abandoned. When First Mate DeVoe and Second Mate Wright arrived, they found no damages aside from one slightly tattered sail. The hull and deck were immaculate. Instantly considering the likely possibility of an abandoned ship scenario, they found it extremely odd that neither the wheel nor the rudder had been tied down. This was responsible for the bizarre lolling, circular sailing pattern that they had observed from the DeGradia. Three and a half feet of water sat on the lower deck, a perfectly normal amount for a ship of that size to take on. Exploration of the ship quickly took on a more haunting tone as they began to explore the crew cabins. Trunks of personal effects found in each of them showed no signs of a rushed departure. In the captain's cabin, a dress hung delicately over a chair. A pile of children's toys sat undisturbed in the corner and one of the beds even retained the outline of a small child in the blankets. It was as if the young girl had simply faded out of existence. In the galley they found months worth of food and water, and an inspection of the deck found not a single missing lifeboat. After some debate about the wisdom of splitting their crew, Captain Morehouse ultimately decided that the cargo was simply too valuable to pass up the opportunity to salvage it. And on December 13th, 1872, the Mary Celeste arrived in the port of Gibraltar without a single representative of its former crew. Morehouse and his crew's attempt to claim a salvage reward would lead to massive controversy. For the Attorney General, the idea that a perfectly functional ship would simply luck into the hands of a waiting crew seemed unlikely at best. While a full-scale investigation would ensue, no real answers would ever be uncovered. Could this be the final manifestation of a decades-long curse? Could the captain, along with his family and entire crew, have been swept overboard by the tempestuous Atlantic seas? Or could it be that the crew of the De Gratia's story was simply too good to be true? Maybe, just maybe something truly supernatural was at play here. This is, after all, one of the greatest maritime mysteries of all time for a reason. Odds are we will never have a definitive answer for what happened to Captain Briggs, his young family, and the crew of the Mary Celeste. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, an ad break. Hello, my name is Todd Purse. I'm a full-time cartoonist and creative, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, The Create Magic Pod. 
This is a daily dose of weird that's about five minutes of me talking about what I was thinking when making the artwork I make every day and post over on Instagram and my website. If you need a little bit of inspiration or just want to hear some random weird stuff about everything from the paranormal to the weather, then this might be the pod for you. You can check it out at my website, createmagicstudios.com, as well as my shop and Patreon and all kinds of other stuff. Please reach out if you want to work on some creative fun. I am always open to new projects. Thanks again for checking this out, and I hope you all have the best day. Bye. Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experienced them. Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face to face with ghosts, demons, haints, and other strange paranormal phenomena. All of it makes for a chilling good time. So grab yourself a sweet tea, turn off the lights, and listen to some eerie, true ghost stories on Homespun Haints wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not scared. Are you? And now the debrief. All right. So what'd you think of this one? You know, so a lot of it is, is kind of just the backstory, right? We're yeah. kind of finding out about uh, all the different captains and things like that, that uh, the ship has previously seen. And um, killed. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah. really, it doesn't hit until the end for me. And then, like, the new captain and his family, along with, like, the seven crewmates and stuff like that. And then, like, the idea of, like, the little girl's outline of her body still being able to be seen in the blanket. I was like, damn, all right. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's gnarly. Yeah, that's, like, I mean, the rest, you know, is is just kind of telling the backstory. But that's when it kind of just hits. And then it's just, like, instant, and then it's gone. Yeah. I I really enjoyed this one because it kind of, like scratched my history itch you know it's very much like a historic story right yeah i mean for the history it's uh it's very much there for sure yeah and i love this like this whole era of of international relations yeah like i don't know i'm a nerd for stuff like that like i accidentally spent like six hours reading about the way britain ruled gibraltar as a as a UK colony and it's like it's like the the channel the strait of gibraltar is right. how you get into the mediterranean sea from the atlantic and that's yeah. fair okay yeah i mean it it i always end up down a rabbit hole anytime we're doing a new story or whatever too or sure. like and i'll end up looking up other stuff and yeah i always somehow stumble upon either like planets and like you know, just finding things that are outside of our galaxy and got you know like whatever, and then uh, yeah. of course multi-dimensional stuff, anything right. like I don't know how I always just stumble upon it, and then I'm like, all right, this seems interesting. <laughs> um, you could be like, you could be like researching the jackalope, and you end up reading about like ridiculous interstellar. <laughs> right. I mean, it's yeah. also because like. For the last half of my research, I'll always, like, just start looking up stuff on YouTube for, like, previous videos, you know, things like that. 
And then my suggested stuff on YouTube, based <laughs> off of all the stuff I watch, is yeah. literally just all that. So, all the crazy shit, right? <laughs> yeah. And then like the photos that you should never see or whatever, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, like these like top ten, top fifteen photos to prove that there's some, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, parallel universes and random shit like right. that, yeah. Oh, I've ac- I've I've accidentally watched the same video of people getting hit by ghost cars so many times. <laughs> accidentally, yeah. Oh, okay. I've I've watched the same one so many times. I'll see it in like I'll see it in my suggested stuff, and then watch it in like thirty seconds. In I'm like, oh yeah, I already watched this one, <laughs> and then I'll stay and watch this the whole eighteen minute video. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, but yeah, yeah, it's it's easy to get stuck down a rabbit hole like that. Yeah, absolutely. So like the the basis the reputation this ship had was basically that it was cursed. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's kind of the the takeaway I assume because I mean, even its first captain um, that you know basically had the sniffles and then a respiratory problem. <laughs> um, well, he didn't die until he went out, and then was it like a couple days later or yeah, whatever? Three days later, he, he died. ends up dying of pneumonia. So yeah, I mean <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that really yeah. sucks. Um, and it kept like crashing and like causing disasters everywhere. It I mean went. that's yeah, that's the big thing is that how many times does this ship crash? At least three or four. And it and had to be more. repaired multiple times. I'm, like, I'm about to tell you what happened after the disappearance. Okay. With the ship. Okay? So, first of all, there's a whole big trial, which we'll get into right, later. Yeah. Which was their attempt to salvage the ship. Right. Which, there was, like, I a mean, salvage hearing and all that. Just, just first of all, just to kind of bring that up... Imagine mm-hmm. how like sus that looks, like them rolling up on this this ship. It looks like it was completely deserted. Um yeah. you know, which everything is completely fine. So I would be like, did they like commandeer that ship and right. throw everybody overboard? See, that's the thing is like salvage, the concept of salvage is very common, but it's really rare that you just sail in a perfectly good ship. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. With no evidence as to what happened to the former crew. See, that makes me start to think, is this actually a story or were these guys just a bunch of dicks? (laughs) That's, yeah, that's one of the things we're definitely going to get into. But, um... Okay, so after the after the salvage hearing and all that, because we'll go back to that through in detail, but the ship left Genoa in June of 1873, and then it sat unused and unwanted, according to the owner, um, because of her bad reputation, until February of the next year. It just sat in dry dock. No one wanted to do anything with it because it had that bad of a reputation. Um. And then the consortium that owned it sold the ship to a partnership of New York businessmen. And they used it to sail routes in the West Indies, but it consistently lost money. Okay. Because it just kept having like mishap after mishap where like it would get caught in storms or it would run aground or whatever. It was always late. It was like, and late fees were a real thing back then. 
Um, so in February of 1879, the captain at the time, Edgar Tuthill, took ill and died, becoming the third captain of the ship to die an untimely death. Jeez. Yeah. And then it was sold again in 1880, and four years later, the new owners used the ship in an insurance fraud scheme. <laughs> So basically, they faked the cargo as something much more expensive than what it was, and intentionally crashed the ship into the coral reef outside outside Port-au-Prince for the insurance Jeez. money. Yeah, um, they got caught. I they got caught. Sounds they like got it, caught yeah. because they got greedy and they tried to sell the ship for salvage. Also, <laughs> and then yeah. and then the people who salvaged it reported that the shit was basically worthless that was in the hull. Oh. Uh, so that got back to the insurance company, and they were like, wait a second. Yeah, they should have been smarter. They got charged with, like, a severe... Th- like, abandoning a ship purposefully was a charge punishable by death during this time. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So they got charged with that, And they got charged with the insurance fraud. But then some shit happened where the jury in the insurance fraud case came back split because they didn't want to affect the the future charge. Like some people wouldn't say guilty because they were worried it would influence the verdict of of the future case that could, you know, lead to a death penalty. So, (laughs) so... When that came back, like, basically a hung jury, they just kind of dropped the whole thing, and they were just ordered to pay back any of the insurance money that they'd already taken. They looked out. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And then, um, so when they crashed it purposefully, it was fucked. It stayed there. Like, it was done. Yeah. Um, in 2001, an expedition headed by archaeologist Clive Cussler announced that they had located the remains of the ship in a reef off the coast of Haiti. Um, But further examination through this really cool thing, another rabbit hole I fell down, is this thing called dendrochronology, which is like how they age wood, basically. Yeah. So through a dendrochronological test, they found that the wood recovered that was supposedly from the Mary Celeste would still have been growing most likely in Georgia. They can tell in 1894, which was about 10 years after the ship crashed. So it's still like up in the air. Some people think it was the Mary Celeste that they found and some don't wait. So the wood found was the same one that was on the Mary Celeste. Right, is that what you said? So, but it was also no, still the, growing, or no? The test revealed that it wasn't because that would would have still, still been, been a tree. Growing. So, <laughs> yeah. unless like this ship is from the future, right? Okay, right. that's that's what I was trying to make sure yeah, I understood. Yeah. All right, sorry, that was probably a little confusing, but <laughs> yeah. So, some people argue that it was the Mary Celeste that that was found, and some people argue it was not. Okay. Um, it seems like science says trip. it was not. <laughs> it might have been a time ship. We're going to get to that, too. All right. Sweet. <laughs> okay, so um, 
going backward now, after they arrive to port with Mary Celeste um, to salvage it, there was this like massive and scandalous salvage hearing. Right. And like, this is a super cool story. Another rabbit hole I fell down. Literally, you could write like, this is like a movie, like a period movie. There's like a friendly, agreeable judge. There's like the crotchety old attorney general. Of like, course. Yeah. Fantastic characters. Right. Um, but the attorney general kind of has like a vendetta against it. Like he immediately is like, no, this doesn't make any sense at all. And he like goes after it. So they go, they run through a bunch of theories, which is a cool way for us to go through theories. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the first one is a mutiny, which, all right. Yeah. So, the captain only knew the first his first mate before they set sail. The rest of the crew were like like four of them had taken the job as a chance to go home. They were like two of them were from Germany and two of them were Portuguese. So they were basically like, yeah, we'll work this. Yeah. And then we'll, you know, we'll hop off in Gibraltar and go home. Um but one of the main things that people talk about in this is like how poorly they were paid. So you heard all about how like brutal the journey was, right? right. Like they some of the storms they sailed through are still like record storms. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they were gnarly. And then yeah. them having to be out for, you know, so long. Like yeah. the one basically had them out like what, two years straight? And then yeah. yeah. So they <clears throat> they were paid per month what would today be like it would it would be the equivalent of making $600 a month today good lord yeah that's what the crew was paid so there's like a lot of people talk about that and like how that definitely could have frayed nerves I mean yeah you know of course and caused them to maybe mutiny um, they also talk about how because they were carrying shitloads of barrels of alcohol, a lot of people who don't really know the details of the story talk about like maybe they were drunk because nine barrels of the alcohol were empty. That was like the only thing missing. Hmm. Okay. Is nine of the barrels were empty. But the thing is, it was industrial alcohol and super toxic. So it's not even potable alcohol. Also, the captain was like super conservative. He was known for being super conservative. So he wasn't, he wouldn't allow his crewmen to bring alcohol on board or anything. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, it's weird to think that just like, well, maybe they were drunk. That's why they killed a family. Right. No, you know what I mean? That's, like, yeah, that's silly. I mean, the missing alcohol is a little bit weird, but. You know, with with like storms being so bad and stuff like that, like maybe they lost some or sure. You know, there was like an accident and then they had to what, just throw some overboard or something, you know, like whatever. I don't know. Right. Um I mean my big questions with the mutiny are like, why would they leave all the valuable cargo right behind? Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I mean pretty much everything's untouched at that point. Yeah. They also left all of their personal belongings. 
So like, unless like maybe there was some also not mentioned things that were on board, maybe money or something like that. Right. Something that would have made it worth it. Right. Exactly. It was more like get it and go sort of thing. Yeah. It's that's, I mean they even possible. like talk they even talk about how they left their pipes. Yeah. In their rooms. You know what I mean? I mean like, yeah, that's that <laughs> It's weird. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they could leave those behind. Exactly. I mean really though, I mean it sounds trivial, but like if you're someone who has like a daily habit like smoking and you're and you're leaving and never coming back, you're going to take it with you. Unless they're like, <laughs> you know, we've got plenty of money. We can get one when we get there. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Forget Don't, about leave it. Your, leave your pipe. You'll be fine. It only takes a week and a half to sail this rowboat <laughs> to, the, to the shore. Maybe they actually had just a bunch of tobacco. <laughs> Alcohol and tobacco. Yeah. And so they're like, we've got plenty. Don't worry. That's probably what made them go crazy. We'll just light all it on fire and, and all stand around it and breathe it in. <laughs> fine. It's yeah, fine. On a wooden boat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened, you know. Fair, fair. But I generally don't I don't buy the mutiny theory. It doesn't make yeah, a lot of sense. It, it to really me. doesn't make any sense for sure. Just mostly that they left all their shit behind. Like that that just doesn't seem right. Plausible. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I get that. Like that I think that's that's one of the biggest things unless there was something that caused them to have to go quick, go quick. Right. Yeah. yeah. The big the main like the attorney general's main theory was that the crew of the Degradia set the whole thing up. Like that was the I whole mean, thing. Yeah. That's that's what I was saying before. Yeah. Um, like, he couldn't believe that they just happened to come upon a payday like that. I, I agree. I agree. Like, that to me seems a little too good to be, you know, too good to be true. Like, yeah. of course, I've seen Ghost Ship, and, you know, that's sure. that's kind of similar. They stumble upon that ship, that yeah. whatever. Um, and it does happen sometimes. Right, of course. Some ships, I mean, that's a whole thing is... Especially around, like, the Korean Peninsula, they're constantly finding ships that are just empty, floating. It's weird. That would be super, just, creepy. Yeah. Yep. I don't think I'd want to go on board, like, just an empty ship. Yeah. Super weird. At least not be the first one on board. Yeah. So, the, the Attorney General thought, basically, they slaughtered the crew and hauled in the salvage. See, that's... Yeah, that were that was my immediate thought. They also were under the impression that the that the salvage was going to be worth like forty to fifty thousand dollars, which would have been like almost a million dollars in today's money. Yeah, because they thought it was alcohol, like liquor, like drinking alcohol, and being industrial alcohol. It turned out the ship was only insured for about sixteen thousand. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, today's money, that's still like 200 grand, but that's not, that's nowhere near a million dollar payday. Yeah. That they thought it was still though. If they thought it was alcohol, drinking alcohol, like 
that's all the more reason for them to yeah you know try yeah, and try and make it. out with yeah all of that yeah there's also reports that um there was a brief contact between the captain of the DeGradia and the captain of the Mary Celeste before they left port in New York. Okay. That they like, they were kind of acquaintances with maybe each other. Maybe one captain so, was sleeping with the other's wife. Maybe. <laughs> or like what I immediately thought was Morehouse maybe like they they sat together and maybe had a drink before leaving port or whatever you know had a conversation and yeah. morehouse that's how morehouse knew what was on the ship right and like and then made the plan to to or nab it maybe they had secretly formed this plan together instead of them stumbling upon the ship they actually picked them up dropped them off somewhere else on their way back and then see, so they could all bank. See, that's also that's also a theory, but the problem is the captain of the Mary Celeste was also a partial owner of the ship. Okay, and he would have made way more money just delivering the alcohol than he would have from the salvage. Hmm. Also, he knew what it was and how much it was insured for and all that. Right. So like True. Yeah. Uh, he wouldn't have gotten fair. fucked that's over. Fair. Yeah. Um, during I, the investigation, they found a sword in the captain's quarters, like what they thought was a decorative sword at first, yeah. but they pulled it from the scabbard and thought it had blood stains on it. So they had it tested, and it like they made it this whole big deal in the trial and stuff, and then they just silently never published the results until much later. Okay. They found out that it was just rusty. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, maybe it's pirates. Dude, we're getting there. <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> that's a real possibility. Um, basically, they questioned the people from the DeGradia for weeks. Right, like they, yeah. Over and over again, making them recount the day that they found the ship. And no one ever tripped up. Like, they were constantly trying to get them to, like, someone will break, someone will make a mistake. And none of them ever did. Okay. So, there's also the fact that salvaging a ship is super dangerous because they have to split their crew in half, and half the crew has to sail one ship and right. half the other ship. So then they're basically sailing around the clock. Like, you don't get any breaks. Yeah, but I mean, if the payout's going to be worth it, then, you know. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying is, like, I think they may have taken that risk for a ship they just came across but like planning that and then not having enough crew to do it well either it's a really bad plan or that doesn't make sense or they were like well we do it with a smaller crew everyone gets more money yeah there's that too I'm still stuck yeah. on that 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 side of it <laughs> yeah I mean, the problem is, I don't know. Like, like I said, eventually, the um, the salvage hearing finds that they there was no foul play from them. Yeah, and they let them salvage it. They get sixteen thousand, which is actually 
less money than they lost because they were late doing the job they were on. So they actually lost money on the whole thing. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if none of this was planned, you know, planned out, and I guess either way, you know, if it, if it was planned out or not planned out, like, they still kind of, yeah, just got the shit end there. Yeah, yeah, they got fucked for sure. It was real bad. Um, And like you mentioned, like, the captain of the Mary Celeste being in on it, that was another theory. Was It was basically insurance fraud. Right. But that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Because like I said before, they would have made more money just delivering their cargo. And also, I don't think he would have brought his family along if that was the plan. I mean, maybe they had fallen on hard times. I mean, they hadn't, though. (laughs) Like, he just bought a 30% of a giant freighting ship. and Maybe he spent all of their, like, life savings. Maybe. I don't know. You know, it's possible. I just don't see him like bringing them along if his plan was to spend a week and a half on a rowboat. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially the daughter. Yeah. The daughter was three years old. Like, yeah, not a great plan. And then we're on to one of the coolest theories, which is pirates. Yeah, that was my other, that was actually, when I had my list of theories, Pirates was the first one, and then um, them just stealing everything. Yeah. A lot also, of people Ghost who, Pirates. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the, um, a lot of people who argue against, pir- of, against Pirates being responsible always talk about how, like, the heyday for Pirates was the early part of the 19th century. And that mostly by the, you know, 1870s, there was very little piracy going on. Yeah. Um, But there was a bit of like a pirate hotspot in the area, like the Azores Islands, which was pretty close, was like a known hangout, basically, for pirates to, to work out of. Okay. And I mean, people say that, that, and yeah, piracy was a much bigger deal in the early 1800s, but piracy still goes on today right like it never went away completely so they could have definitely kidnapped the crew but why no ransom why not right why not take everything on uh board like why not clean them out yeah unless they were hauling something that was never actually documented see that's interesting i I never really thought of that until you said it like, that's a real possibility. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, it was kind of common, commonplace for things like that. Maybe they were smuggling something of some sort. Sure. Or they could have just, like, it was fairly common practice also to leave super expensive or valuable items off the manifest. Right. Just yeah. to, like, keep it out of people's business. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe. I'd like to think I, so. I, I mean, I like pirates. <laughs> I, I like pirates too. I mean, I think it's a it's a cool angle for sure. Yeah. Um 
There's also, we can go to your favorite, which is alien abductions. You know, like, I hadn't really even thought about aliens as part of this at all. Yeah. Surprisingly. (laughs) I thought ghost pirates over aliens. Yeah. So most of the people who talk about aliens being involved in this are doing it based on, like, they always use the same points, which are very clearly just added folklore over the years. That's fair, yeah. Like, I, I, I wrote down three specific ones that I saw over and over again, which are patently untrue. So, firstly, they'll say the ship was in perfect condition when it was found. Of course it was, right. Which, it was in good condition, but not perfect. I mean... Like, not, uh, not unexplainably good. You said, like, the only major notable thing was what, like, the tear in the sail? One of the sails, yeah. right? And there were like there was like three and a half feet of water below deck, which was normal, but it was like it was visibly used. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the people who talk about aliens make it sound like it was just like teleported there from a dry dock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then they over and over again say that the final log in the logbook was entered right before the ship was found. When actually that last log in the logbook was like over a week before I was gonna it say, was discovered. Yeah, I know I wrote I wrote down like when the when the log went silent, there were no additional logs reported. Yeah, um, but yeah, I thought that was at least a couple of days before you know before yeah. this was found because like this was what like the ship had been out for a month at this point. I think. Yeah, about a month. Yeah. So, yeah, I I wouldn't say you know I mean. That that doesn't line up at all, but yeah, I mean, even though I didn't, you know, immediately consider the possibility of aliens, I suppose, you know, I that why not? Because yeah, yeah, I mean, anytime someone vanishes without a trace, you you can think alien abduction, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. I mean, they they could have definitely gotten Granger tailored during a storm. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that's that's true for some reason i don't i don't like i know like obviously like you know people are seeing like ufos and stuff like whatever but i don't often associate like aliens until early 1900s right. um which i don't know why you know like, that's dude that's the culture that's right. that's when it exploded that, that's, that's when true. everyone that's really true, started yeah. talking about it yeah, that's fair. Because the space race. Yeah. And I mean, really, yeah. like, it wasn't until, what, 1940s when alien, like, you know, we had, we had, like, everything go down with, like, Roswell and aliens yeah. started to get in the media and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Yep. So. And then people started going backwards looking at older cases going, right. well, this might have been aliens, this. Because, yeah. I mean, what was the, the Aurora incident? Wasn't that, like, 1890 or something? Yeah, yeah, it was about so, 15 years yeah. after this. Which, I I just never, I don't know why. Like, it's just that mindset. Like, even though I know, I just never really put those together. It's, yeah, yeah. it's weird. It's, they're just not associated in your brain. Because you think of, you know, you think of the era of, like, Betty and Barney Hill. Right. Being like, that's when it really got started. Yeah, you that's know? true. Yeah, that that's normal. The the third thing that they always cite is that there were like it's the classic missing people thing where like 
they'll say there were half-eaten meals still on the tables and you know what i mean i mean and the fact that like the outline of the little girl in her blankets she could have been just like beamed up and you know yeah see that one's real but there weren't half-eaten meals on the tables there was lots of food in the stores and the draped dress over the like i mean like things that are pretty normal like retiring right yeah retiring for the night or whatever else yeah Yep. but the just the I I can't get over also like just the the outline of the little girl in the bed. I mean, I know like that might be that might just be more like wordplay and stuff like that, whatever. Sure. Um, but still, like I it's just, just it like, creates a visual that's like yeah very unsettling. It's the eeriest image in the right, whole story exactly, for sure, for sure, easily. So, one that I think might actually hold some water, pun intended is a natural disaster right so like a rogue wave water spouts or just like rough stormy seas yeah like the only problem with this is again there was like three and a half feet of water in the lower compartment which is much less than there would be if they had taken on a lot right you know what i mean i mean that's gonna be your you know especially a ship at that time that doesn't have like yeah, means to yeah. really expel the water, like extra water. That's yeah, that's gonna be pretty pretty general, pretty normal. Yeah. Um that's just like the amount you take on just sailing. Yeah. You know. And they had seen they had seen some storms, some pretty rough storms I mean, on the course. way over. Yeah. So like but there's just very little evidence of the ship taking on a ton of water that it ever did. You know? And a massive storm would have caused the ship to take on a ton. So if they had been, especially if you're talking about like rogue waves or water spouts or like really significant. Yeah. I mean, well, even like water spouts aren't that crazy. You know, I mean, like to a, to a ship, like a small boat. Yeah. But like to a yeah. massive ship, isn't going to do terrible. Like it's not like a tornado. Right. It. I mean, it could throw people off. Yeah, it could definitely throw deck, people off for, for sure. sure. Yeah, but yeah. My main my main problem with the natural disaster theory is that, like, okay, say a wave would just they just hit a, a big wave, maybe not not even a rogue wave, just like a big wave a tall came wave, in right, and wiped the wiped the crew off the deck, which definitely happens. It happens all the time. But why would the captain's wife and baby be out on the deck See, during a huge storm? That's what I was going to say. Like, And also, why is everybody on board just, they all just hanging Gone. out, like having a party up on like, you know, the right. top deck, hanging, like just watching the storm or something like that? Just, yeah, that wouldn't really hold up. They're all just out there playing Red Rover with the ocean. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, here yeah, it comes. That doesn't here it make comes. any sense. You got to hold yourself exactly. still. <laughs> like they were like, yeah, basically playing chicken with waves. Yep. Sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. For sure. I, I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say there are a lot of, there are a lot of theories. I, I have, sure. I have, a sure few, I have a few more. If well, you're, yeah, let's hear a couple. If more. you're interested, let's hear a couple. Okay, the next one is super fun, which is a giant squid attack. A giant squid attack is such a fun idea. 
So now like, we're getting into like fantasy novel shit. I mean, no, because giant squids are a real thing. For sure. All right. They're 100% a real thing. Yeah. And like okay, in 1875, I found I found this story from 1875 crewman of the uss pauline described seeing a sperm whale being dragged down with the tentacles of a giant squid wrapped around it okay okay and it's been documented that giant squids will mistake the bottom of a ship for a whale and attack it and attack the bottoms of ships they do that to this day that's a gnarly squid (laughs) yeah yeah i mean the thing is though they're rarely seen on the surface right but so generally when this happens now they don't i mean a squid doesn't stand a chance against a modern ship yeah right like but the way they attack it if it were an older wooden ship it would damage the ship not necessarily and it wouldn't leave the ship pristine you know what i mean If they mistook it for a whale, they would wrap around the bottom of the ship and there would be damage to the bottom of the ship. Hmm. Now, that being said, there are literally dozens of reports, and I found like close to 20 reports of sailors talking about giant squids sweeping, like sweeping crew members off the decks of ships with their tentacles. Huh. Yeah, that it's like real shit. That's like confirmed, real stuff. I've, this isn't even like in the world of cryptozoology. All like, right, it's a real thing. All right, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, who knows? That's that's <laughs> <laughs> true. They could have all been taken out by a giant squid tentacle. Could have been. I yeah I I don't yeah I don't buy that I'm sorry yeah me neither I, it's okay. I think that's just silly <laughs> but you know yeah it, why not okay. though that's another one I'll, why not I'll go on to a more realistic one okay All right. okay so this is what I call the island more theory because it's very similar to what we landed Light, on with uh, yeah. the island more lighthouse mystery so much like the mercury poisoning that we discussed with the lighthouse keepers. Remember them being trapped in during a storm with the mercury and it basically driving them crazy. Yeah. Because they couldn't ventilate the lighthouse during these like Mm -hmm. insane storm seasons. So the toxic fumes from the industrial alcohol could have done very similar, had very similar effects on the people on the ship. And they sailed for almost a month straight of in storms. So they couldn't, like, open all the hatches and air out yeah. the fumes. But that, to me, like, also, you would think that would make kind of the air pretty flammable, too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's no, like, real damage to any of, like, the cabin area or anything like that or any of, like, the cargo area, right? Right. I mean, the thing is, because those nine, you know, those nine empty barrels that were found... Right. So when they when they inspected those, they found that the empty barrels were made of redwood, and the rest of the barrels were made of birch. So the redwood barrels would have been way more porous. So what 
the theory is that when the lower when the lower compartment filled up with water like as the water rose the alcohol basically just leaked out of the barrels into the water mm, okay and then they bilge the water out and it leaves cuz the alcohol rises to the top the alcohol doesn't bilge out with the water it just stays and it the fumes build up and build up and build up over time every time they take on water and bilge it it gets it adds to uh, it that's pretty elaborate for sure yeah i mean there's a good chance that like it would have caused like clouds of noxious fumes basically and that could have had you know that could lead to any number of bizarre behaviors yeah yeah. In the crew. That um, makes sense. Which, you know, is like the it's the Island Moore effect, right? Like if you're trapped in the damn ship and you can't open any windows or hatches or anything and you're just anything could have happened. Yeah. When when people start going crazy, who knows? They could have just start started jumping ship. Yeah, or throwing each other off the ship. Or That's you know true. what I mean? Yeah. Could have caused them all yeah. to like possibly hallucinate and yeah or yeah, just like just like the lighthouse keepers like throwing each other right off cliffs exactly and shit, or with yeah. those empty barrels like once they started taking on water they just started emptying them over one at a time yeah <laughs> who knows <laughs> i mean that's the thing is like if if you talk about like the effects that the psychological effects that breathing in shit like that would have yeah in anything they could have any behavior oh yeah that's is without possible. a doubt i agree so building off that same idea there's a chance that because of the fumes the captain because that last log was on the first nice calm day yeah. that they had basically in close to a month and um, that was right after this like winter period with all the crazy storms yeah. and stuff yep so they finally had a nice day, and so some people posit that maybe the captain ordered the crew to take the to like open all the hatches because they when they found the boat, all the hatches were open and stuff. So maybe they opened all the hatches and took a lifeboat away from the ship because what they would do is like tie the lifeboat to the ship with a huge line, and they would go out like half a mile or whatever away from the ship. To let the ship air out, yeah. Before they went back, like maybe they'd been dealing with these. But fumes I thought there were no so missing long. life, like lifeboats or anything. That's the thing. There's a little bit of controversy about that because this ship only had one lifeboat. Oh, okay. One one lifeboat, and there was note that the captain complained about that before they had left and asked for a second lifeboat to be added, but there was no evidence that they ever added. But they actually it. did. Okay. Yeah. And there was no evidence that one was missing either. Right. Like there was no none of the rigging that would have attached one or Especially anything. If there was noticed. no records of a second, you know, that second one being added, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So some people say like they probably added the second ship when he requested it and then or lifeboat when they requested it, and then that's what they took. But the idea is that they would have taken that out and then something happened, the line breaks or whatever happens and they get left behind in the stranded in this little lifeboat as their ship sails away without them. Now the, the problem here is the, 
the rudder and the the steering weren't tied down, which is a thing you would do before leaving the ship. Right. That's what gave it that weird like rocking in a circle motion mm-hmm. that it had when cuz the as the wheel spun it would bang against the rudder which would turn the rudder and it was it was just going back and Basically, forth. Basically, yeah, just keeping it going in a circle. Yeah. Uh So if you think that maybe a second lifeboat was added, then that's a, definitely a possibility. That they left the ship for whatever reason on the lifeboat well, and knowing got that disconnected. If he requested one, like if that's actually legit, then I could see them probably adding another one. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, if he's now like partial owner of this too, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I could I could see that being a thing. Um, but I also find it strange that they were never found or never made it anywhere, possibly. Like, you know, maybe they did, but. And he was like a super, you know, a really experienced captain. Yeah. Is the thing. Because some people have said, like, well, maybe he thought the ship was flooding, so he abandoned ship. Like, no. It was... There's no way because hmm. they didn't take on the kind of water that would scare someone who had been sailing for 15 years. Yeah, I you mean, and I mean? all they have to do from there is just continue to dump it. Like it wasn't yeah. anything too crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. And the ship had a a mechanical bilge pump. Like it wasn't even like they had to walk down with buckets or whatever. Yeah. Like they had like basically it looks like a like a water pump that you'd have like an old timey pump that you'd have in your backyard, you know, where you have to pump it up and down yeah. for the water to come out. Yeah. That had it had those built in to where from the deck you would pump it and it would pull the water up out of the lower So I mean yeah, they would have been they would have been completely fine in that yeah, regard. Exactly. So huh. So I could see them I could see them abandoning sh- abandoning ship, but not for that reason. Right. Like, it had to be something else that drove them from the ship. Hmm. Or yeah. it was still pirates. Pirates gave them, let them take the lifeboat or something. Yeah. Um, like, and then, so they stayed on board, but all the ghost pirates that were on board on this <laughs> cursed ship took out the real pirates. Oh, shit. We got a Pirates of the Caribbean thing going on here. (laughs) Um, That's what it was. It must have been. And all the rum was Um, gone. I think like... uh, (laughs) Damn it. I think... um, uh, You completely threw me off track. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, All the rum was gone. It's funny because they had no real alcohol. (laughs) There you go. It works perfectly. Um, I meant for that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Obviously intentional. Um, I mean, that's that. And that's really it for for theories. Like, I know. It's I mean, a lot, I was going to say that kind of covers but, the majority of things. Yeah. There, um, There is a cool legend now. Like, over the last 60 years or so, sailors have started reporting sightings of like an ethereal version of the Mary Celeste being seen right before tragedies happen. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's So a- like could it have become like a harbinger right, of doom yeah. this like ghost ship, right? I mean, I'm, 
I'm into that. That's cool. Yeah, that's a that's a cool a cool idea. But it's like it's become so common that it's like now it's considered a bad omen. Like yeah, oh, I mean he saw he saw the Mary Celeste. Yeah, it, something bad Especially gonna like happen. people people this time like in this area that are going to be familiar with it, and this basically be passed on as like a ghost story from you know like throughout the years and stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's inevitable that it's going to develop some type of legend reputation. Yeah, I mean it's basically become like an urban legend for sailors, right? To yeah. like to see the Mary Celeste. Uh, but yeah, it developed like some form of like negative repu- reputation. I mean, even at the time, like people thought that it was cursed, right? So yeah, yeah. So of course it was going to go down in legend. Yeah. You know, that's for yeah, sure. I think that. That would be terrifying, dude. I hate boats anyway. I hate water. So, like, I, I would be boats. terrified in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Always with the boats. Always with the boats. Uh, when are you going to buy a boat? I want to buy a boat. That's that's one of my one of my plans. Yeah. That's, yeah. You seem like a guy who would own a boat. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Your house would look great with a boat in the driveway. <laughs> Right, I've got plenty of room. That's for sure. You do, (laughs) definitely. Um, so two more things I wanted to mention, for sure. Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar, he wrote a short story called J. Habakkuk Jeffson's Statement, which is basically it's like a fictionalization of a survivor of the Mary Celeste. Oh, cool. And. It's a super cool story. It's very fictional. <laughs> but like in the story, one of the crewmen slowly murder everyone on board. It's like a murder mystery where people just drop one after another. Yeah. Until you figure out who it is. It's a really cool story. Maybe that's yeah. what happened. I I overlooked it completely. Like I read it for the first time this week and I had never read it before and I was really happy I found it. Nice. It's really good. Might actually do it for a um this october if we do again if we do some more campfire classics yeah cool we might do it for one of those yeah yeah do a return and, to return to yeah exactly <laughs> and finally way back in season two of doctor who the og doctor william hartnell who's you know the original he lands the TARDIS on a ship in an episode, right? And there's all kinds of madness, and Daleks come in, <laughs> and during the battle with the Daleks, all the crew jumps overboard. Yeah. And after the Doctor takes off after the Daleks at the end, it it's revealed that the ship is the Mary Celeste. Well, I yeah, I think that right there is you know the actual true, yeah, true events of what took place. That has to be what happened. Next time at night. Yeah. That's right. I like it. I'm into it. Yeah. So maybe they were taken down by Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> also, Daleks would have no need for industrial alcohol. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why they'd even be there in the first place. Yeah. 
I also I rewatched this episode. I hadn't seen it. In a, I hadn't watched any of the classic Who episodes I, in a long time. I mean, I still haven't went back and watched like oh, the, dude, the original should. ones. No, it's. I mean, I've tried like a couple. It's just it's so hard to get into. It's very different. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, yeah. But it, what really stood out to me because I've been rewatching the modern Doctor Who episodes with my daughter. It's her first time going through them. And we've been rewatching them with her. And going back now and watching this season two episode, the doctor was kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't even bother saving any of the people on the ship. Wow. Like, which is very odd when you're used to, like, right. modern Doctor Who. That's like all. But he was just like going after those Daleks. Nothing else mattered <laughs> except fighting those Daleks. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, weird. you know, that might have been, like, the original format. And they're like, wait, this really doesn't work. Right. We need to make him a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Right on. I I mean, it, honestly, it, it's hard to say. Like, it's it's really hard to say what happened. I mean, and that's, you know, that's kind of just the, the thing with these types of stories is we'll never know. Yeah. Um, You know, but I, I've... I've I think like my two favorite ideas are there being something on board that was never actually reported and it's it either sparked like the crew or um the other uh the, the other crew right the other crew maybe and like everybody was still alive and you know like maybe yeah threw them over <laughs> uh, right. and commandeered the ship like you know something like that I could definitely see being a good possibility and like you said knowing if they if they ran into each other and happened to like talk and maybe like he mentioned something or like knew somebody else on the crew like that had maybe yeah. had, like just kind of you know said something about it and then they planned out this whole thing to take it's it over heist. basically right yeah um that or pirates pirates for sure I I kind of like it as a heist movie. Yeah. You know, as this like whole big plan, he bumps into him in New York and gets the little spark of idea when he hears that he's secretly hauling this or Yeah, that. I mean that and, that right there could definitely have been like a good possibility. Yeah. So. And then maybe he just like stalked him across, <laughs> you know, they they could have honestly they could have just stalked them all the way across knew the, the route that they were taking. Maybe maybe yeah. he even asked like, "Oh, like, you know what, your route you taking? Oh, we're going through here." And so yeah. And that's where they have to like make up for that lost time when they had to uh was, I think that was the one where they had to go through uh the shortcut, right? To oh, catch yeah, yeah. back up. Yeah. After the three days in right. Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, maybe he actually took that shortcut so they could be able to eventually cross paths with the other ship. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. It's, a whole, it's, it's a cool story. I mean, there's no it way is, of knowing, yeah. so it's just cool to talk about like mm-hmm. different possibilities, right? That's, that's what we're doing here. But, um, I mean, that's probably the coolest version other than Daleks. <laughs> other than it actually being an episode of doctor who yeah exactly that's everything is better if it's a, Do- a doctor who episode that's true only though if it's david Ten- david Tennant and matt smith how dare you <laughs> anyway 
but yeah, no, I like it. It's it's awesome. Uh, like I said, I think I think I'm I'm stuck on that that idea of it. Yeah. I like I really like the concept of them having some secret cargo. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. Because that was definitely a practice of the time was to leave things off the ship manifest if they thought it might attract, you know, negative attention mm-hmm. or if it unwanted I mean, attention. Been right? smuggling, or they could have been smuggling something Ill- yeah. illegal. Yeah, you know? exactly. Could have been diamonds. Because this guy's whole backstory is that like he was trying to get out of a life at sea. He had this young family and he was trying to like, it was almost like, again, with like it feeling like a heist movie, it was almost like a, we'll do one last right, big one job. Bad, last big hurrah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I could see him, but uh, again, if he knew he was, if he knew he was going to be transporting illegal cargo or, well, at least illegal cargo, I can't see him bringing his wife and baby. But if it was just something highly valuable but not illegal yeah. that they left off yeah, the manifest, exactly. I could see him doing that. Something that like wouldn't really get them into major trouble, but also that they wouldn't have to report um, yeah. and make them a quick buck. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Something that like could have been stolen by pirates or the other crew. Or Maybe the, the, the original captain was a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> fucking maybe man (laughs) (laughs) no he was all by all accounts he was like a pretty upstanding guy but i even upstanding guys can be pirates if he was trying to get out of it i could see him doing something crazy to make a little a little extra i agree i agree yeah i dig it though i dig it i like i like these types of mystery stories yeah me too me too. The only the only thing that makes the lighthouse mystery better than this one is the Fey. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there might have been yeah. There might have been sea Fey. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it was you know interdimensional fuckery. <laughs> maybe it was the Loch Ness monster. Some form of sea uh, serpent. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I already said giant squid. Eh, squids. They, they aren't real. <laughs> the actual real ones aren't real. Right. Aren't those basically ple- octopus? Give me a plesiosaur out there. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Dinosaurs, on the other hand. <sighs> yeah, very real. Clearly. <laughs> I think that concludes episode 59. Maritime Mysteries Part 2, The Mary Celeste. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. 
And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.